Welcome to the inaugural episode of uh, Section Hiking, the Appalachian Trail. Uh, I'm your host, I'm John Eskelson. With me today is my daughter, Ilsa. She is a um, plucky hiker. Is plucky the right word? I think so. I would say reluctantly cheerful. <laughs> She's reluctantly cheerful and the best of the doubt, which enables me to take her on fun hiking trips that turn out to have a mile of steep uphill that we all regret no there's no regrets no no we all regretted it anyway last we'll we'll get to this later but last (laughs) summer we or last spring we did uh, a 15 mile loop in the george washington national forest and uh she really did not like some of the climbs that we did there um but what I wanted to do today um, for this first uh, episode is to kind of walk through, first of all, my history um, with camping and backpacking, and then follow up with like, my, my philosophy uh, for backpacking, and then finally talk about what are some of our future episodes going to be about uh, so that we can kind of lay a roadmap to where we're going here. Um, the plan is that I plan to do my first section section of the Appalachian Trail sometime in April. I have to still nail down the dates um, when I can do it with work and family obligations. But, um, but that's the plan, is to kind of walk through and talk through and think through most of the topics that someone needs to kind of think through before you undertake a section hike like this. Um, so to start out with my history, kind of where I come from and what my background is in relationship to camping and backpacking, um, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest in the suburbs of Seattle, um, what's known as the East side in uh, Bellevue and Redmond, um, at a time before the, uh, area was dominated by the tech industry. Um, and my dad was actually, uh, his high school guidance counselor recommended he be a forest service ranger or a park ranger. Um, but you know, for a lot of reasons, um, he decided to go to college and become an accountant instead. Um, so he ended up counting a lot of other people's money for, uh, for a profession and then ended up running, uh, you know, running some businesses and things like that. Um, but when he was free and uh, on vacation, he was frequently up in the mountains with my uh, siblings and I, and uh, we would go camping all over the Northwest. There was a fateful week in the rainforest of the Olympic Peninsula. There was uh, what lots do you mean of time. Fateful. What happened? So remember when we were in Switzerland and it rained that entire weekend? Think of that only wetter. And it was fateful because it changed your fate? Um, I I like to think so. I think it almost destroyed my family. (laughs) Much like the Christmas of 2003? We're not going to talk about the Christmas of 2003 here. Okay. Um, Some things the public doesn't need to know. (laughs) (laughs) It involves the flu. That's all I have to say. But, uh, but we would, but we hiked in a lot of places. We, uh, hiked a lot around Rainier and camped on, uh, Rainier a bunch. 
the highest I got was uh, up to uh, up to Muir. When I was a scout, my uh, scout troop climbed Mount Adams. Um, I was one of I was four, one of the four boys out of about fifteen who made it to the summit of that uh, mountain, which is about just over twelve thousand feet high. Um, it was tough because there was there's a false uh, summit where you think that you're summiting, and then you get up to the top to the shelf, and then you look over and you re realize you have a couple thousand more feet to go. Um, we also would hike frequently up in the North Cascades. I know that we did uh, the Devil's Dome Trail a couple times. And then as a family, uh, we really love the Conagua Lakes uh, area in uh, outside of Leavenworth, Washington. It was a remote location of three or four lakes that were well stocked with fish, um, but were rarely hiked through. Um, and you take basically you take the Icicle Creek Trail for 10 miles out of Leavenworth and then you take a hang a right about 10 miles and then climb straight up until you hit there. Anyway, that was lots of fun. So initially I'll be using the kit I have, which is, you know, most of it's okay. I'm not saying all of it's, you know, my forever gear, but um, I'd like to use it to see what works. Um, to figure out where I need to get lighter and frankly my wife is more likely to allow me to buy the gear I want if I've been able to demonstrate that the gear I have currently doesn't work and as my daughter will point out uh, if I'm more likely to die because of the gear I have. When I was in college I went to Utah. Uh, I studied at Brigham Young University and it's a whole different camping uh, type of camping there. Um, spent a lot of time going down to places like Zion's and uh, Moab and Arches and camping in the desert. Um, learning to camp where you're mostly going down into canyons um, rather than going up into mountains was a new experience for me. Although we did do some hiking in the Uintas, although not, not as much. Um, but that was also uh, glorious. Um, experiences to, to go hiking. Um, I completed both my undergrad and my law degree at Brigham Young University um, and met my wife there. And so upon completion of my law degree, we moved out to DC. And for a couple of years, I didn't do a lot of camping. Um, I did a little bit with the kids when Ilsa was but, I don't know, two years old. Really? Yeah. Uh, you, Tommy, and I went up to the Kentucky Mountains and we did a hike, and your mom was very surprised that uh, little Ilsa and we Tommy, Tommy's my 18-year-old young man, um, were able to uh, do this mile and a half hike up into the mountains. And I just said we just went really, really slow and took lots of breaks. So uh, we did a little bit of camping, nothing, nothing very rigorous. And then we moved to Germany. And uh, there in Europe, what I've learned is that what we call backpacking, they call bivouacking, and it's very informal. But what they call camping is much more like a, like an RV park. Um, with the hutches? With, what's that? With the hutches? Yeah. Well, no. Like, you remember when we were in uh, Switzerland and we camped in that, like, little place with, with our oh. friends? Oh, yeah, yeah. Out, uh, outside of Reichenbach Falls. It rained. Well, we <laughs> yes. got to see where Sherlock Holmes. 
temporarily died. Yes, yes, it rained a lot. But more importantly to all that is that there is a, uh, you know, that their car camping is very constricted, very confined. Um, you have this bivouacking. But what they really like to do and what I found quite enjoyable was um, hut hiking, where basically you hike, but you don't really need to bring a shelter or even a sleeping bag with you. Because they have like a tiny B&B at the top. Well, it's a large B&B. It's like yeah, a full-on you know, hotel. It's sparsely furnished. It's like a hostel, basically. Right. And you go up and you can prepay for meals. Um, with the internet, it's great. And you can pay for a hot meal at night and uh, breakfast in the morning. And then you, and some of them will even let you uh, order a lunch that you can take with you and, and go with you uh, elsewhere. But it's not this, it's, it's not the way in which most backpackers in the United States consider backpacking. It's, uh, it's a very, it's a very different way of thinking and structuring yourself, structuring your, uh, your camping experience. And so we did that um, several times. We did all sorts of different type of camping options um, there. If you ever get a chance uh, going to uh, the Torrelian Alps or Switzerland or um, into France, it is, it is a, an experience. So now we're back. Uh, and we're here in the United States. And so last spring and summer was really the first time that we started backpacking and camping again. Um, the way where, you know, people in the U S are accustomed Good old to fashioned American way. <laughs> That's right. We wear the red, white, and blue with pride. So last, uh, we did a couple of, uh, overnighters and then, um, the kids and I did a, did a 15 mile loop. Um, the kids also, we also kind of did more of a, for me and my wife, it was more of a car camping exercise while the kids were doing a, kind of an outdoor truck sort of thing where they were yeah, living like pioneers. It was fun. But yeah, you didn't do it legit. We did it legit and you didn't. So Yes, yes, there there's that is an argument to be made. And then my son and I went with a scout troop up to the Adirondacks. Yeah. The Adirondack Mountains for a week where we uh, climbed Mount Marcy and I climbed uh, Mount Condon and and we did a about thirty-two mile loop um, in four days, and then did rock climbing on the last day. So this year we're looking to do more camping and more backpacking, uh, including beginning section hiking, the Appalachian Trail. So this gets me into the philosophy I have about camping and backpacking. Um, and kind of particularly as I prepare for uh, section hiking, the various areas of the Appalachian Trail, kind of how, how I'm going to be thinking and approaching this. One of the things I find interesting in reading and talking to through hikers is that there is through hiking and then there's that other thing, section hiking. And it's not necessarily looked down upon, um, although Backpacking Magazine this month has, has a, you know, plan your through hiking style kind of thing. And if you're not hardcore enough, apparently you're just a section hiker. I, I'm sure that's not necessarily the message that the backpacking magazine folks were trying to send, but it, it did read like that when I was kind of going through their, their most recent edition and talking about, uh, 
about through hiking and uh, particularly on long trails. Because the, the challenge I have is that, you know, this is not, I guess I could think of it like just a, like a seven, eight day trip. Like I would like a finite, like I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to do six or seven days and then stop, you know, and we have a defined tr trail. But really, I'm thinking of this more like a through hiker who can only through hike for, you know, seven, eight days at a time. Um, That's a long time to hike. Uh, well, I mean, people, so people do the Appalachian Trail in like the fastest known mm -hmm. times, like in a couple months, but most people take six months and they just hike the whole thing. Starting in Georgia and then going all the way up to Maine. How do people have the like time to do this? Um, I don't know, but they do. You know, there's a variety of circumstances out there. You have some older people, and then you have a lot of younger people who do it. Cool. Yeah, it, it's really cool. I'd like to be able to do that, but unfortunately, I can't. So I'm going to just do a week at a time. So I don't really think of this as a kind of dichotomy between, you know, section hiking versus through hiking. I think the big difference is going to be is that, you know, I only have a week or two at a time that I can dedicate to going on the trail. But, uh, you know, my goal will be to prepare as though I am a through hiker. I think how this is going to um, shake out in real terms is that because I'll be only going for a shorter period of time, I won't necessarily be looking to stop in various towns where there's various uh, amenities about that a through hiker, if I were going to, if I were starting, you know, heading northbound all the way from Georgia all the way up to uh, uh, Maine on one go, might be looking to take a day and just take a breather and, uh, you know, do some of the things that you would do in a town to get yourself restocked and resupplied and cleaned and fed. Um, I'll be probably just scootering on down the trail, um, trying to make the most of the time I have available to me. So where do we go from here? All right. So in the next couple podcasts, we're going to talk about a little bit more about my goals, uh, for section hiking and some of the specific plans that I am kind of, I am formulating. Hopefully I'll have some specific dates that I can, uh, I can detail, um, talk about, um, you know, some of the skills that you're going to need. Elsa, you're, I know you're concerned about bears. I, I'm concerned that you will die. So, I think you should bring someone else so you will not die. We might, we might do that. We'll have some friends coming on the podcast. Um, we're going to talk about other skills that are very helpful and useful uh, for, for different uh, parts of uh hiking. Uh, most importantly, I think we're going to talk about food, which I think is going to be the hardest part. Um, how do you pack enough calories and yet keep it light enough? And then uh, we're going to talk about the physical preparations that I'm making and uh, some of the ways in which I am um, preparing my, my body physically. One of the hard parts I find is that, um, you know, you read about guys taking a, a few hundred miles to get their, their hiking legs and if you're a section hiker like myself, you're not going to have time to hike 300 miles before you can get your legs. You have to go in with your legs ready to go and hit it hard and then be able to get off the trail um, in a week's time or two weeks time. So we'll talk about the, the kind of the exercises and uh, different 
different things that we're doing to get ready for that. Uh, and then finally, we'll, we'll talk about equipment. Um, we're going to talk about what I have. We'll talk about maybe what I want. Um, we'll talk about what I'll end up using. Um, my philosophy on, on equipment is that equipment doesn't necessarily matter. What matters is, you know, in and of itself. Uh, so far, we're not sponsored by anybody, so I don't have to pitch on it, pitch anybody at this moment. But more specifically, there's a lot of podcasts out there dealing with camping that are really like dead set in favor or against certain types of equipment. What I found is that there's a lot of different types of equipment um, of various uh, qualities, prices, um, uh, and what and weights and whatnot. And that everyone needs to kind of pick for themselves what it is they need. I have a decent kit um, for this first uh, section that I'm going to be hiking. I'm going to be uh, using the vast majority of that kit. Uh, there's a couple reasons for that. One is to kind of see what works. Um, there's some areas where I can probably get lighter. Um, the other aspect is, frankly, uh, my wife is more inclined to let me buy a new kit after I show and demonstrate that it's not good for me to utilize that kit um, and see what fails or what is So isn't. long as you don't show that by dying. I will. And then the final goal, of course, is not to die. So with that, uh, we'll end this podcast for today, and we will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. And then finally, uh, what we'll talk about is equipment. We'll talk about kind of what I have, some of the things that I like, what are some of the things that I end up actually using. And my philosophy on equipment is that it actually matters less than the skills that you have. And because in reality, there's a wide range of equipment that's going to work. Um, it, there's a bunch of factors that determine whether equipment is right for you in a particular situation and whether it's right for me. And when you're dealing with quality, you're dealing with issues of price, and you're dealing with issues of weight. And there's all trade-offs based on individual needs. So initially, I'll be using the kit I have, which is, you know, most of it's okay. I'm not saying all of it's, you know, my forever gear. But um, I'd like to use it to see what works, um, to figure out where I need to get lighter. And frankly, my wife is more likely to allow me to buy the gear I want if I've been able to demonstrate that the gear I have currently doesn't work and as my daughter will point out uh, if I'm more likely to die because of the gear I have. So initially I'll be using the kit I have which is you know most of it's okay I'm not saying all of it's you know my forever gear but um, I'd like to use it to see what works, um, to figure out where I need to get lighter. And frankly, my wife is more likely to allow me to buy the gear I want if I've been able to demonstrate that the gear I have currently doesn't work. And as my daughter will point out, uh, if I'm more likely to die because of the gear I have. And so with that, I think we'll wrap up. Um, hopefully you've learned a little bit about me and uh, kind of what my motivations are and kind of some of the thought I have behind the decisions that we'll be making um, on this 
hiking experience and then um, kind of where the future holds for this podcast. Um, I want to thank you again for listening and thank our sponsor, uh, RestoreAmericasNationalParks.org, for their support. And have a great day. We'll see you next week.